sing as one for this country we're walking on we stand together to protect this land for the future we're hand in hand welcome to another episode of the environmental as anything podcast welcome back to environmental as anything now I've been joined on the phone from outside by Justin Field, member of the Upper House in New South Wales. Are you there, Justin? Yeah, yeah, mate. Thank you for joining us. Um, and thank you for inquiring about this land clearing uh, that um, we in the environmental side were terrified was going to mean really a lot of um, unfortunate land clearing. And it looks like um, what you've found is saying that that's the case. Well, yeah, I, I was there in 2016 when these laws were passed. And people might remember back um, when the coalition came to government in 2011, uh, they promised to rip up the Native Vegetation Act, as it was known at that point, the sort of the main protection for our vegetation on, um, on farmland, on, on private land. Yep. And um, we were very concerned about that. And, and as those sort of laws were brought in and the various regulations developed around them, we became more and more concerned. I remember the debate in the Parliament, we warned that this would lead to uh, a massive increase in land clearing, and now we've had the, the government's uh, independent uh, natural resource advisor make clear that it's led to a 13-fold increase in land clearing approvals, and as much as 60% of land clearing that's identified um, by satellite imagery is unexplained. So there's a real problem out there. So the approvals have gone up 13-fold, but 60% of what's happening is not even approved. It's just um, off the map. Well, that's not so clear because a lot of the um, clearing that can be conducted under these rules is under self-assessable codes. Uh It's required to be reported. But trying to get a handle on exactly how much clearing is is 100% within the rules, how much sort of pushes on the rules a little bit and, and how much is outside the rules is, is something that we rely on uh, the enforcement uh, teams within government within the EPA and, and others to get out there and um, uh, ensure that the laws are enforced. But people might remember um, a story late last year that the government actually put an amnesty in place. Um, anyone who had breached the previous laws, that they were still investigating breaches from the previous laws, were basically given an amnesty and they said, well, if what you did wouldn't have been a breach of the new laws, well, we're not going to prosecute them anymore. <laughs> so, yep, I remember that. The people jumped in and started clearing in expectation that this law was going to be changed, and then the yep. government just said, oh, well, if you did that, we'll, we'll just let you off. That's right, and what we heard farmers say, and I was quite happy to say to the media, is that they were told by um, senior members of the government to go ahead and do it. Right. Wow, so... The state of play is really that the regulations aren't fully even in effect, is that right? Well, basically, when the law got put in place, the government um, made a song and dance about saying, oh, we're getting the balance right here. And they made very clear in the debate in the Parliament, and that has legal force, um, they said that we are going to ensure that for all the clearing that does happen under these laws, between two and four times as much is going to be put into conservation through either set-asides on farm or investments into the Biodiversity Conservation Trust, which is a fund of money which buys land and puts it aside for conservation. Yep. Well, um, what this report 
queue that was triggered um, by a large amount of clearing that was identified, and the Natural Resources Commission did this, and they have come back and they've said, basically, you're not meeting those targets anywhere around the state, uh, and therefore you need to have a look at whether the intent of this legislation and regulation is being met. In some areas of the state, in the north and northwest, the percentage of land that's being put aside, it's not two or four times what's being cleared. It's about 10% of what's being cleared. So it's a fraction. Um, the laws aren't working to protect biodiversity. I think we always knew that they weren't designed to do that, but the degree to which it's allowed clearing that a lack of conservation set aside is, is pretty, uh, pretty shocking. Well, I could just claim we were being cynical, but um, now we can see um, the effect of it. But the government sat on this report from their own um, Natural Resources Committee. Is that correct? Yeah, that's right. So I found out about it um, in budget estimates uh, in August last year. Um, I'd been given a tip-off and asked some questions about this report that we didn't even know existed. I found out that it, it had been triggered in, um, uh, in July of 2019, just before the state election. Um, the government commissioned, the Premier commissioned the Natural Resources Commission to do this review. It was a, what they, they described as a cabinet and confidence review. It was completely secret. It was off the books, really. Yeah. Um, I found out about it. I've been asking questions about it. We know that it was handed, the report was handed to the government in July 2019. So it's nine months later before they're forced, basically by parliamentary legal threat from myself, uh, to uh, release it. And they finally released it, and then late last week they also um, put a response to the report up on their website without any fanfare at all. And basically it's a it's an FU to the Natural Resources Commission. Uh, that's probably the nicest way to explain what the government has done. Um, but basically what they're, what they're going to do is kick the can down the road on all of the issues raised, and so I will deal with this when, when the statutory review, all legislation is reviewed periodically, pretty much, so that when that statutory review comes up in a couple of years, we'll think about some of this stuff here. Right. Well, we've just had the massive bushfires, and part of this report is that even just with these new clearing rules, there's a massive risk to biodiversity, and we've just had our biodiversity totally trashed across the state. So um, I guess, Justin, the question is, what can ordinary people do to sort of um, bring about, yeah, more responsible leadership and better behaviour here? Well, this is squarely on the National Party. This, this is what the National Party wanted. It's the laws that they've championed um, from, from the time they got into government and it's been implemented and it's having a devastating impact in terms of biodiversity loss and the loss of vegetation in the landscape. Um, well, yeah, on the North Coast, You've got some gnats up there. You've got some gnats. We have got some gnats up here, yeah. historically, yeah. too. Yes. Make them wear it. Make them wear it. Make them stand up and explain how their laws can possibly protect uh, biodiversity when it's having these impacts. They've, um, they've always been trying to claim we've got the balance right, we're balancing the needs of landholders, you know, the farmers that, that we represent are an eco ecologically minded. And I know a lot of them are, but these laws are enabling the handful of people who want to uh, rip everything up, tear it down, uh, chop it down, burn it, they're enabling that sort of bad behaviour and it's time they explain themselves. So you've got some power up there. 
Well, good. We just got to exercise it through the ballot box, hey? Exactly right. Well, we've got a couple of years for that, so we're going to need to do a little bit more between now and then. Um, I would encourage, and, and certainly I have seen anyone who's written to me about it, I would be saying to them, uh, call uh, the Agriculture Minister, um, who is a, a NAT, call the Environment Minister, who's a Lib, and call your local member, particularly if they're a NAT, and, and ask them to support the recommendations of the Natural Resources Commission. If those recommendations of this report were implemented, it'd go a long way to fixing these problems. Um, but um, if they're just going to sit on it for another couple of years, well, that's going to allow, you know, at the rates that it's looking at, at the moment, another 100,000-odd hectares of land clearing to be approved, and, um, and, and that will be done over the next decade. And that's at a time, as you say, where we've got bushfire recovery to get through. We've lost so much, we can't afford to be losing more. Now, can you, can you tell me how this is factored into the carbon footprint of Australia? Yeah, look, that's a good question because um, when people look at the, the, um, the carbon emission footprint of New South Wales or Australia, you'll, you'll know it's often broken down into what they call stationary energy, sort of the electricity generation, um, your other energy sources, which is like the fuels that you burn, um, and then for agriculture, transport, it's broken down into those different uh, sectors. And one of the sectors that's represented in those tables, so often it's a pie chart, is what they call land use. Um, and land use relates to land clearing primarily or regeneration of land. And what you'll see is that over the last couple of uh, decades, really, the claims of government is that our emissions from land use aren't just going down, but in fact they're in the negative. So we're seeing a regeneration in the landscape, which is meaning that we're sequestering more carbon than we're losing from landscape actions. Um, well, the bushfires no doubt set that way back and I would suggest probably tip the scales the other way and this sort of land land clearing is doing the same thing. So I've got real questions about how we could possibly be still sequestering more carbon in our trees and our soils from land use management than we're losing through deforestation, whether it's um, from uh, land clearing on farm, the ongoing logging, um, particularly on the north coast, um, and also just the, the loss of trees for urban development, which is substantial in the sure. landscape every year. So, look, we've got a um, climate conference was supposed to be held at the end of the year in Glasgow. I think that's been put off into the new year. Um, the government really needs to go to that with more further reductions on our carbon footprint. So, footprint. so surely... Uh, I suppose it's up to us. We've got to hold them to account to actually factor all of these real um, occurrences in and um, show sensible figures when they go to that conference. Yeah, they need to feel the pressure. I know everyone's distracted at the moment, and that's understandable from um, the impacts of the pandemic that we're that we're facing. Um, but we can't keep our uh, our eye off the big crisis. Uh, that's out there, which is a crisis of biodiversity loss and a climate crisis, uh, that's going to have an economic impact that's not going to be resolved to $130 billion stimulus. I mean, that's that's going to upend uh, our entire way of life in the next couple of decades. So we've got to keep a mind to that, and the government uh, needs to feel that pressure. But what I would say is there is the need for... Um, there is going to be the need over the next few years as we come out of the pandemic and restart 
to the domestic economy, but we're also doing bushfire recovery. Let's put some of those resources, those financial resources and job creation into um, regeneration of our forests, into... Um, uh, there's all sorts of landscape restoration actions. We've got to manage weed growth as a result of, of bushfires, riparian areas around our creek lines. We can do a whole bunch of ecological restoration um, it's going to be job creating, it's going to be money well spent, it's going to have a climate benefit, it's going to have a broader um, habitat and biodiversity benefit as well. Let's not miss the opportunity when a lot of money is going to need to be put into um, uh, into economic stimulus. Let's put it into something that's having an environmental benefit as well. I couldn't agree more. One of my probably favourite um, bugbears is that the government really should be paying farmers to sequester carbon, to grow forests, the opposite of what they're being encouraged to do, basically. Is there any thought, do you think, in um, government ranks for actually getting farmers to be on the front line of actually drawing down this carbon? Well, farmers can. Some farmers do. Some farmers are fantastic, that's right. Yeah, there, there there are existing programs in place that allow farmers to do that. The methodologies have always been complicated and um, and, and difficult to um, uh, to demonstrate and prove. Uh, and you want to know that if, if money's going to be stumped up for offsetting emissions, that those emissions are really being offset and are being retained, sure. uh, that, that carbon sequestration is being retained in the landscape over time. So there are a couple of methodologies that are agreed and tested and there's um, organisations out there that specialise in building relationships with farmers to do that and they can generate an income stream. Um, more broadly, the question of paying farmers for uh, generation on the landscape, even if it doesn't come from, uh, say, carbon credits, there's still real value in um, encouraging farmers to be part of retaining vegetation in the landscape. It's good for, um, uh, for mitigating erosion, for improving um, uh, the moisture in the soils. We, we know that retaining trees in the landscape uh, improves... Uh, the rainfall patterns in those areas. So the whole heap of reasons why we'd encourage that. It's difficult to find the pot of money to do that, but what I think you could do is look at rate relief on any land that's put aside for conservation. Um, there are other sorts of things like that which take the financial pressure off farmers who do feel, I think, financial pressure to cut down trees, whether it's to put in an opportunity crop or expand grazing land or even to open their land up to... Um, private native forestry, which is a growing sector and having a huge impact on the environment. Um, if there's another way that farmers can reduce their their other costs uh, on the land by preserving uh, habitat, we should explore those things. That's true. Well, a lot of farmers are really savvy and aware and trying to do the right thing, but there's just nothing like um, dollars one way or the other to actually encourage that and um, accelerate it. Justin, look... Last thing is yep. regenerative agriculture. Actually, I think people are recognising the value of that, and they understand the value of keeping biodiversity in the landscape. Um, it's good for productivity for their farms. So there's ways of doing it which you don't need to find public money. There's actually private economic benefit, but it might be that some of the upfront capital is what's necessary to make that happen. True. Although, um, really, um, the public are the overall beneficiary here so really there is a place for public money too i think um it's just getting the mindset aligned that way i guess this um decade old um toing and froing about a carbon price is part of the problem 
um, the powers that be have sort of talked themselves into a perspective where they're never going to sanction carbon pricing, um, which is really unfortunate. It does seem to be the most logical way of encouraging this sort of, um, you know, good management. Yeah, I think you're right. Justin, thank you so much for joining us and thank you for um, sniffing this out and getting it released and um, hopefully the... Um, community around here will support you. You're part of the upper house, so I suppose everyone gets to um, support you and um, maybe they can ring in and um, or phone in and email in and um, give you support in kind. Well, I'd appreciate that, but um, if you're going to make a phone call or an email, make it to the Environment Minister or the Agriculture Minister and give me a rocket over um, not supporting the NRC's recommendations. Fantastic. Thank you again for joining us and we'll catch yeah, you again mate. down the track. Thank you. Bye. Are you looking for the courage to face the hard facts about our environmental crises? Do you want honest reporting on the global solutions that are at our fingertips? Would you like to know what simple, effective local actions you can take to make a positive difference to the state of the world today? Tune in to Environmental as Anything on 92.9 River FM every Saturday from 2 to 5 for all the news, interviews and analysis you need to make the future you want. For the future, we're hand in hand.